Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about 7 years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So, thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode. So this week I'm going to be talking about the career of none other than Yankees catcher and Hall of Famer number 8, Bill Dickey. But before I get to that, I just wanted to go through last week's trivia. The question, uh, question, question number one was, who hit the first postseason Grand Slam in Yankees history? The answer was Tony Lazari, Game 2, in 1936. So I thought that was an interesting question there. Number two, in uh, 1999... What Yankees pitcher threw seven shutout innings, allowing only one hit in a 7-2 victory over the Atlanta Braves in Game 2 of the 1999 World Series? The answer? David Cohn. And question number three. In 2019, who became the youngest Yankees player to knock in five runs in a postseason game, doing it in a 7-0 victory over Houston in Game 1 of the 2019 ALCS. And just a hint, um, he still plays for the New York Yankees today, although he has been in the talk of, of some recent trade rumors, but the answer is second baseman, formerly shortstop, Glaber Torres. Um, so those are the answers to last week's trivia questions. So now, without any more deliberation, let's get right into this week's topic of the uh, the career of Bill Dickey, whose full name was William Malcolm Dickey. He was nicknamed the man nobody knows, and I would imagine a lot that nickname must come from the fact that the Yankees had such a great team. He he played with guys like Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, um, Bob Uzo, I believe. Uh, Tony Lazzari, Joe DiMaggio, eventually. He played with a lot of great Yankees. Uh, Red Ruffing, uh, Herb Pennock, um, Spud Chandler, I believe. So he played with a lot of really great Yankees players. Um, but anyways, uh, so Bill, Bill Dickey, was, he was six foot one, 185 pounds, left-handed hitter. Um, he threw right. Of course, he was a great catcher. And really, he was the catcher that really, he helped a lot of guys later in his in uh, in his career as a coach um, and, and toward the end of his playing career. But he was born on June 6, 1907 in Louisiana. He grew up in Arkansas. His dad, John Dickey, uh, played for a semi-pro baseball team in Memphis, Tennessee. And his older brother, Gus, uh, he was a second baseman and a pitcher for an Eastern Arkansas semi-pro baseball team. Um, he had a younger brother named George, who was also in the major leagues, which I did not know. And he was also a catcher as well, just like his brother, Bill. Um, so, and getting back to Bill, um, Bill uh, went to high school at Searcy High School in Arkansas. He was actually a pitcher and a second baseman, not a catcher. He actually didn't catch until after college or in college when he played in a semi-pro baseball league in Arkansas, which I believe was not part of the college but at Little Rock College, he actually was a pitcher, and he played some football, too. He was a guard as an offensive lineman. And he, if you think about it, he really, back then, uh, people were not as big back then. And so just thinking that's kind of interesting, thinking about um, how Bill Dickey, who was a catcher and really not the biggest guy, he was only six foot one, I think, 
uh, um, 180 pounds or so. So it's interesting just uh, with the how big the football players are now and offensive linemen are now compared to back then. And of course, obviously back then, this was back in the 1920s. And I'm not even sure if the NFL was around back then. If it was, it wasn't as it wasn't baseball was still the national pastime, so um, it wasn't as big. Um, but getting back into it, uh, so uh, it was just after college. He played in a semi-pro baseball league um, in Arkansas, and um, I guess uh, Bill Dickey was asked to fill in as a catcher, and he impressed the manager so much um, with his arm strength that you know the 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 manager of that team just wanted him to catch and that's kind of pretty much how he ended up getting into the minor leagues and I believe when he was in the minor leagues too he started out with another organization I think it was the White Sox um so he played in the minors until like 1928 and um actually it was that year that he was he was with the class D Jack Jackson Mississippi team whatever team that was and uh he was he was on put on waivers by whatever organization uh he he had been with and the Yankees had, uh, picked him up and they signed him to $12,500 contract the scout that scouted him was Johnny Knee he, um, I believe he ended up scouting a lot of really really talented Yankees who ended up having great years and even Hall of Fame years um, and so Johnny Knee who, who I believe um, scouted a lot of great Yankees and a lot of Hall of Famers too um, uh, he was the guy that scouted Bill Dickey and he got the Yankees to sign him. He actually even told Ed Barrow that if Bill Dickey um, was not good, then he, then he would just quit and, and uh, just, I guess, start a new career. So that's how much confidence he had in Bill Dickey to be a, a great player. And obviously he was right because Bill Dickey became a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest catchers in Yankees history. If you look at his numbers, you could even make a case that he was the greatest catcher in Yankees history, even better than um, Thurman Munson or Yogi Berra or Thur- or Elston Howard as well. Um, but anyways, that's not, not to take anything away from those guys either because those guys are great players in their own right. But moving on, um, so uh, Bill Dickey, he went on to become a full-time catcher not until 1929. 1928, he did get his start, though, in the major leagues. I don't think he, he didn't play as much. Um, t- took him a little time, but 1929, that's when he became the Yankees' full-time catcher. He won the job over Johnny Grabowski and Benny Benguo, or Benny Benguogue, or, or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that name, um, but that was in 1929. That was his first full full season in the, in the big leagues. Um, he also tried to model himself when he first came up in the, in, in the major leagues. He modeled himself after Ruth, and I guess they said that he would actually really kind of follow Ruth and, and just go by Ruth's example. And it wasn't until Miller Huggins went and he told him, we pay one player here to hit home runs, and that's Babe Ruth. So choke up and drill the ball. And once he told him that, that was that was all he needed. Um, and obviously, Miller Huggins must have saw some potential in Bill Dickey and uh that's basically when Bill Dickey's career really took off. However, the first hit that he had was in 1928. As I said, he was a part-time player. It was a triple, and that was his first hit as a New York Yankee. He was an 11-time All-Star um, and a 7-time World Series champion 
for the New York Yankees. He played 19 seasons from 1928 to 1943. He had hit 10-plus home runs nine times in his career. He had 100 RBIs four times in his career. He had at least a 300 batting average 11 times in his career. I believe uh, 10 times he had more, more than a 300 batting average, which is extremely impressive considering he was a catcher. And catchers, especially nowadays, you don't see too many catchers hitting 300 or especially above 300. And um, uh, from what I heard, from what I read, uh, Bill Dickey was a very competitive player and all, like he was just all business. Um, so much so that he was actually suspended for 30 days in 1932 and fined $1,000 because of a collision at the plate that he had with a player named Carl Reynolds. And I guess after the collision, um, after, like just after the collision, and I, I would imagine there was a lot of adrenaline going, but still, after the collision, he just punched him in the in the jaw uh, jaw and broke it, um, and and uh, that's why he was suspended. Of course, thirty days. So um, obviously, he had a bit of a temper, and and you could see the competitiveness was not always that a good a good thing. But you know that's the case for a lot of players, I guess, at times. Um, moving on, uh, Bill Dickey's highest batting average in a single season. Was in 1936. He had a 362 batting average, and that was a, that was only third in the major leagues that year. The the bat, the person that won the batting title that year was Luke Appling, a Hall of Famer, who had a 388 batting average. But the 362 batting average by um, by Bill Dickey in 1936 that stood until 1997, when uh, Mike Piazza tied it with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Joe Maurer, he hit 365 and finally broke the record in 2009. So that that record stood for like over 70 years or so. So that's extremely impressive, and it shows you the consistency and just the um, how like not players don't typically hit that for that high of an average, and he hit over 300 um, 10 times in his career. So that's pretty impressive. Um, that's extremely impressive. So in 1944 and 1945. Um, of course, the uh, World War II was going on. Uh, Bill Dickey ended up going into the United States Navy, and he helped serve in the war. I believe he served in a hospital area in Hawaii, um, was where he was stationed in. 1946, he ends up coming back. He returns as a player manager, actually. Um, I believe he um, filled in. He, I, I believe, yeah, he was the manager just before Bucky Harris, or just. I believe it was just before Bucky Harris. Um, but anyways, so he comes back as a player manager. He really, they, um, he didn't really do a whole lot with the team. I think the team ended up being a little bit over 500. It was the only year he managed. But However, he did start coaching in 1949. And I guess you could say that his career was cut short in 1943 because of the war. But... By that time, I'm sure he was getting older and he was a catcher as well. So to come back two years or three years after that, you know, it's kind of hard for a catcher, especially to be playing um, all that time before the war and then missing two seasons and then having to go back and being an older player um, to catching. And even even though he, you know, it's, it's, it would have been interesting if they, it's kind of interesting that they didn't stick with uh, Bill Dickey, but I guess it was Larry McPhail who was the then owner of the New York Yankees at that time 
and he just, um, you know, he wanted a change, and I think that's when they went to Bucky Harris from 1947. But I, I could be wrong. It might, it might have actually been Casey Stengel. Um, but uh, anyways, so 1949, Bill Dickey, he became a coach, and this is when he started helping Yogi Berra, who was a young player at the time. He was very raw defensively uh, as a catcher. He, he still needed, there was a lot, he had a lot to learn, but Bill Dickey helped him out, and and uh, obviously Yogi Berra ended up becoming a great Yankee, great Hall of Famer, one of the most beloved Yankees of all time. Yogi Berra said, the, though, about Bill Dickey, he said, I owe everything I did in baseball to Bill Dickey. He was a great man. That's what Yogi Berra said. And Elston Howard was another guy who Bill Dickey helped out an, an incredible amount. Um, and uh, Elston Howard said this about Bill. He said that Bill made him a big league catcher and that he would have been nothing without Bill Dickey, which is saying something, you know, because Elston Howard had a great career. And it's too bad that Elston Howard played so late. Like, he, he I mean, obviously the Yankees... Then they, they had Yogi Berra, so Yogi's career, Yogi was a Hall of Famer. He was a three-time MVP at the time, and Elston Howard just kind of worked his way up. Uh, he had to play other positions and um, until Yogi really wasn't able to catch anymore. Um, but it's, it would have been interesting because I think if Elston Howard had started earlier in his career, he probably would have also be a Hall of Famer. Um, and maybe you could make a case for him now, but I'm... Um, I, he would definitely would have been a Hall of Famer if he had played longer, started his career earlier in the major leagues. And another quote I found, too, was from Bob Feller, who was um, an opponent of Bill Dickey. And he said that he would he would have won 35 games with Bill Dickey as his catcher behind the plate in a single season. So that that's that right there is like the ultimate compliment to me. Because for a, a player on another team, a pitcher, to notice how a catcher calls a game and plays defense behind the plate, blocks all, all the pitch, all, all the all the balls, and, and just to have that much respect for another team's catcher, that's that's like the ultimate sign of respect. And Bob Feller was a he was a Hall of Fame pitcher. He was a great player. So I mean, I just thought that was a great quote from Bob Feller. Um, so then eventually in 1954, Bill Dickey, he, ne he never actually um, got to manage again, which is interesting that the only year he managed was, you know, the two years after the two years that he was in the war. So, I mean, and, and they were over 500. He was a player manager too. So it would have been interesting. It's interesting that they never actually gave him a chance to manage again, unless maybe he didn't want that. But you know, I would I would imagine if he had gotten a chance to manage again and been a full time manager, and especially, you know, because missing time, missing those missing those two years of baseball, coming back from the war, it, uh, it, like it had to be hard to get back into the game again, at least you know for that one year. So maybe he didn't want to manage again, but he did coach for, for an awfully long time, I believe, and he helped a lot of other. Uh, catchers out, especially um, those two guys, Elston Howard and Yogi Berra. So he was eventually elected into the Hall of Fame soon after his career ended. Um, it was in 1954. He went to the Hall of Fame and he had his number eight retired, which was actually retired twice for him and Yogi Berra because Yogi Berra had such respect for Bill Dickey that 
that he wanted to hang on to that number. And, um, you know, the Yankees had to retire both of their numbers because they're both great um, catchers and great baseball players. So it, that's it's always been um, fascinating just to uh, to see the, the lineage between Yankees catchers. And when you talk about Yankees catchers, the first guy you have to talk about, in my opinion, is Bill Dickey. However, um, it's usually Yogi Berra, and for good reason, because Yogi Berra was a great Yankee, a beloved Yankee, great player, great baseball player. But the first guy that Yogi always mentioned, when I, I believe anyway, from in interviews and stuff, he would always talk about, at least I've heard him mention uh, in the past, I heard him mention Bill Dickey a lot, because he, was the, he always remembered that that was the guy that helped him. And even Elston Howard um, was another guy who was a great baseball player. I don't think he ended up making the Hall of Fame because he really didn't have as long of a career, but he still, he was a great player. And and Bill Dickey was a big reason for both of those players being as good as they were. Um, obviously, Yogi Berra could really hit, and he could hit regardless of what Bill Dickey did. Like, Bill Dickey really helped Yogi Berra with the, with the defensive side. Um, and uh, because Bill Dickey was known for being such a great defensive catcher and a really good, uh, a really good caller of the game for pitchers, and just uh, figuring out what pitchers, uh, what pitches to use for certain hitters and stuff like that. So, um, uh, quite a few years later, after the Yankees retired number eight twice for uh, Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra in 1972, 1988. Both Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra got plaques, and they got inducted into the Yankees Monument Park, which, of course, still stands today in the new Yankee Stadium. So that's uh, pretty much the career of Bill Dickey. He was a great Yankee, great ball player. Um, I, th- I think you can see how, like, his nickname was basically, his nickname kind of says it all. It was the man that nobody knows because... Obviously, he played such a long time ago, so it's fitting in that way as well. I don't think that's the reason why he had that nickname. I'm sure it was more because back then they had guys like Babe Ruth, Coney Lazari, um, Lou Gehrig. Um, I mean, and it might not be. That's just, I mean, obviously I didn't get to see uh, Bill Dickey play, so I don't know exactly why they, that nickname came to be. But it's it's an interesting nickname, especially considering, um, you know, he played such a long time ago that a lot of people don't, always know that Bill Dickey was a great Yankees catcher. He wasn't just a great defensive catcher. He was a great offensive catcher too. And I I would uh, recommend if you really enjoy uh, looking at baseball statistics, um, you should search Bill Dickey's career and look, just look at his numbers year to year. He had, he had a lot of really good seasons and he really um, must've taken that, uh, the advice to heart that Miller Huggins told him about not being like Babe Ruth and hitting home runs. Because if you look at his career, he did hit some home runs. He had like 20 home runs, 25, something like that. But like he didn't hit a lot of home runs. It was he was he was a doubles, triples hitter, um, and uh, he he was he was a guy that just hit the ball for average, and that's what that's all he really needed to do because they had other guys like Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazzari, guys behind him that could just drive him in. So. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting. So before I let you go, I just want to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater, Time Machine, Free Your Geek, 
Psych Your Crime, and a bunch of other podcasts and streamers. You can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information. And before I sign off, I just want to do the trivia for this week. Here are some questions for this week's trivia. The first question is, the 2009 Yankees were the first team in club history to have at least five players with 25-plus home runs. Can you name each slugger? And you can feel free to email me at historicpinstripes at gmail.com any of the answers or all the answers if you have any of them. Um, if not, you, you don't have to, but you can also comment on Facebook or Instagram on our Facebook, Instagram pages, Instagrams at Historic Pinstripes, and the uh, Twitter as well, which is Historic NYY. So that's the first question. And the second question is, on this date in 1949, what Yankees player snapped a scoreless tie in Game 1 of the World Series by leading off the ninth inning with a home run off of Don Newcomb of the Brooklyn Dodgers? And question number three, 1978. A Yankee rookie threw a complete game in a 12-2 victory over the Dodgers in Game 5 of the World Series. Who was that rookie? So I'm going to rephrase that question if it makes it a little bit easier to understand. What Yankees rookie threw a complete game in a 12-2 win over the Dodgers in 1978 in the World Series in Game 5? And those are the three trivia questions for this week's Um, historic pinstripes episode thank you very much for listening everybody and as always go yankees